The sermon title today is Not One, Not More Than One. One, Not More Than One. And Acts is the book of our study these weeks. And I hope you'll remember we're calling our study in the book of Acts Zero to 60, because the book of Acts gives the true and accurate uh, journal of the Church of Jesus Christ's birth to age 60. That's what the book of Acts chronicles for us, and we are working our way through the book so that we can see what happened and in what order it happened. Acts 1, verse 8, we have put forward as the outline of the book, the whole book. In Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended back to the Father's right hand in heaven, Jesus said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And this is what we've seen happen so far. The, the uh, church was born on the day of Pentecost and Jerusalem, and it's been rippling out to bless the area of Judea. And when we come to chapter 11 of the book of Acts to see that blessing extend to Samaria, Gentile country. And so our focus that we'll look at in this sermon is Acts 11, if you'd flip over there. Acts 11, verses 1 to 18. And so let's hear the word of God together. In fact, let's stand together as we read God's word. Please stand. I'm reading Acts 11, 1 through 18. Now the apostles and the brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, you went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter explained it to them in order that from the beginning, he was saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance and I saw a vision. An object descending like a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. And when I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Now this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you all the words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord and how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? And when they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God saying, 
then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Please be seated. We need to remember, having read that true account, we need to remember something important, that when the gospel and the church of Jesus Christ got to Samaria, those things got to Gentile country. And in Gentile country, the Gentile Cornelius and his Gentile family and friends got saved through trusting Christ alone. And then those Gentiles received the Holy Spirit just like the Jewish believers did on the day of Pentecost back in Acts chapter 2. And then Gentile converts to Christ spoke in tongues just like the Jewish converts to Christ did on the day of Pentecost. And those Gentile converts were water baptized too just as the Jewish believers in Christ got water baptized when the church was born. One way of salvation one receiving of the Holy Spirit, one validation of salvation by speaking in tongues, one testimony of salvation in water baptism, one and not two churches. Jews and Gentiles, believers in Christ, together in one church. Back in 1969, the American flag was planted on the moon here in A.D. 48, the Christian flag was planted in Gentile country. <laughs> but not everyone saluted the Christian flag as it started to fly in Gentile country. Look again at the first three verses of Acts 11, would you? Now the apostles and the brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, you went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. That group that Peter encountered when he, he went back to church's headquarters in Jerusalem were not happy that the Gentile flag had been planted in Gentile, or the Christian flag rather, had been planted in Gentile country. They weren't happy. They were Actually, they were mad. And at one point, when the Apostle Peter went back from Gentile country to the very heart of Jewish country in the city of Jerusalem, he got some flack. And the other Jewish apostles and Jewish converts to Christ were not at all thrilled that the word of God had been received by Gentiles. Remember, Jews saw Gentiles as lower caste. You might even say scum of the earth. They called them dogs, but not nice little pet dogs that we groom and bathe, uh, scavenger dogs, dirty scavenger dogs was how Jewish people assessed Gentiles. So the idea that the Gentiles could come into the blessings of God found in Jesus Christ, found in Jesus Christ's church, annoyed some of the Jewish apostles and some of the Jewish converts. And these who were slow to accept Jewish converts were particularly bothered by two things. Number one, they were bothered that Peter, as a Jewish Christian, had actually eaten with Gentile converts. Jews weren't to eat with Gentiles. Then the other thing that bothered them was the male Gentile believers were not initiated by the Jewish rite of circumcision. 
This is why these objector Jews to Gentiles coming into the church came to be known as the circumcision party or as Judaizers. And the circumcision debate was not fully settled by Acts 11, 18. Skip ahead with me to 18. When they heard these things, they became silent. They glorified God saying, when God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. That sounds good. And it was good, but it was a temporary truce. It was only a temporary truce between the annoyed Jewish Christian church members and the Gentiles that they had a hard time accepting to even eat with them and to see that their men would come into this blessing called the church without circumcision. So what we see in verse 18 of this chapter 11 was only a temporary truce because the battle fully erupted again and again in Acts 15 and in the book of Galatians and in other New Testament passages. Now, I don't have time to go through several verses, but I hope that you will take down a couple of references for your own personal study about this battle between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians and how one is saved and so forth and so on. Here are the verses for you to jot down, I hope. Acts 15, 1 to 41. Galatians 1, 6 through 9. Galatians 2, 4 and 16. Galatians 3, 26 to 28. Galatians 4, 21. Galatians 5, 1 to 4. Galatians 5, 6 to 12. And Galatians 6, 12 to 15. It also emerged in Philippians 3, 3. And Colossians 3, 11. And 1 Corinthians 12, 13. And so... It was a heated and intense battle for one church, a battle for one church of both believing Jews and believing Gentiles, and it was a battle for one kind of justification, justification by faith in Christ through the grace of God and not through good works or law-keeping. Now, those of you who are parents, do you remember how it was when your kids were little? and you needed to teach them something new, say how to accurately remember their phone number and their street address, or how to properly clean a fish, <laughs> or how to safely cross a busy street. When you were trying to teach your little child about those things, you used repetition. You repeated over and over again their phone number, their address, how to clean a fish, and how to safely cross Shirley Street. You repeated it over and over again. And when the Christian church flag was first planted in Gentile country, we see God's repetition reporting that that fact was a good thing, a blessing from him, a good thing which was according to his flawless plan and purpose. Now, two examples of the repetition I'm talking about were Cornelius's vision and Peter's trance. Both of these things are repeated. Cornelius's vision is repeated three times, and Peter's trance is repeated two times. In Acts 10, 1 to 6, we see a Cornelius vision. 
In Acts 10, 9 to 16, we see Peter's trance. In Acts 10, 30 to 33, Cornelius' vision again. Acts 11, 5 to 10, Peter's trance again. Acts 11, 13 and 14, Cornelius' vision again. Repetition. Because God wanted the first church, the baby church, to understand Salvation being by grace through faith in Christ, no matter what your ethnicity, no matter what your race, no matter what your heritage. And in both of these reports about Cornelius's vision and Peter's trance, it's mentioned three times that God was heard to say that once unclean animals by Jewish law were now clean and fit for Jews to eat. Repetition. And when the gospel and the church first reached Gentile country, Cornelius's vision and Peter's trance and God's audible voice in Peter's trance were all repeated so that believing Jews would get it right and see that God's plan of salvation and God's church were not just for them as Jews. So little children need to accurately remember their phone numbers and street addresses, and little children need to know how to properly clean a fish, and little children need to know how to safely cross a busy street, and God's believing children needed to know how to correctly see that God's church was one church, as it remains today, one church, for both Jewish and Gentile converts to Christ. Now, the very first Jewish converts to Christ needed to understand and to accept that God saves believing Gentiles and puts them in the church together with them as believing Jews. So God wanted them in the book of Acts, the first 60 years of the church, and God still wants us in 2022 to understand by his will, by his plan, by his design, by his grace, there's one church. There's one body of Christ. There's one bride of Christ. There's one gospel. There's one salvation. There's one justification. There's one sanctification. There's one baptism. There's one faith. There's one purpose. And there is one hope. One. Not more than one. One. God's plan was and is one. Satan's lie was and is more than one. God's heart is one. Satan's lie is, no, no, you can have more than one. And Satan still makes that lie. Satan, in these lies, suggests the following. Satan suggests there's more than one true God. There's more than one truth. There's more than one way to God. Satan lies, there's more than one kind of salvation. There's more than one savior. There's more than one sacred book. Satan lies, there's more than one definition of good and evil. There's more than one explanation of how everything began. Satan lies. There's more than one binary set of genders. There's more than one kind of marriage, he says. There's more than one understanding of when life begins. Satan lies. There's more than one understanding of heaven, and there's more than one understanding of hell, and there's more than one way to forgiveness. God says in all those things, no, no, there's one. And Satan says, no, no, there's more than one. We live in a time that's all mixed up. And it's largely mixed up because 
while God has said in his word and is saying in his word, one, Satan is saying an unchanging lie of, no, there's more than one. And the tension between the truth about one and the lie about more than one is the very wise stance which we see that Peter took in verse 17. See it with me. Peter says, if therefore God gave them the same gift, singular, as he gave to us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? That's the proper stance in reconciling all this. Friends, God, when he says one, we have no business saying more than one. We are certainly, certainly not to try to withstand God. We are certainly not to stand in the way of God. His way and his will is found in his word. And that is to say, we as the church, the body and bride of Christ, the one church created on the day of Pentecost and perpetuated by the grace and mercy and power of God, we as the church are not to pass judgment on God's truth. We're not to reject God's truth. We're not to change God's truth. We're not to doubt God's truth. We're not to expand God's truth. And we are not to compromise God's truth. And so Peter had it absolutely right. 17, if therefore God gave them, Gentiles, the same gift, singular, salvation and part of the church, as he gave us, the Jews who believe, when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? Peter said, who was I that I could block God? in the matters of one, one church, one body, one bride, one gospel, one salvation, one justification, one sanctification, one purpose, one faith, and one hope. Now, I'm going to say something that you know already because you read the newspaper and you watch the news on television. I'm going to tell you something you already know because the carnage of Satan's work has impacted your family, perhaps. Or the damage of Satan's lies has dealt a very serious blow to people you love. I'm going to tell you something you already know, and it's this. Here in 2022, when mankind is so smart that we're stupid, we must say and mean as the church that we will not withstand our God and we will not stand in our God's way. But rather, instead, we will reject Satan's lies that certain things are more than one when God says those same things are one. What am I talking about? Church, we must refute the current lies from the evil one that there is multiple choice truth. That there is polytheism. Tons and tons of gods. We must refute Satan's lie that redefines salvation. 
I had occasion yesterday to be with a family member from Canada who was plugged into a liberal denomination church for all of her life. And what she told us that she does at church is to pick up trash in the park and plant trees. There's nothing wrong with picking up trash and planting trees, but that's what she thinks needs saving, the park and the trees. Because her church, decades back, has decided everybody goes to heaven. There's no need for evangelism. There's no need to believe in a hell. We must refute Satan's lies about a redefinement, a redefining of salvation. We need to refute his lies about imposter saviors and phony scriptures and evolution. The theory of evolution. You know, it takes more faith to be an evolutionist than to be a Christian. There's so many holes in that theory. It's a theory that needs to be refuted. We need to refute Satan's lies about subjective and personal versions of the truth. We need to reject fluid definitions of wrongdoing. We need to refute gender confusion and reassignments. We need to refute the lie of homosexual marriage and the pro-choice denial that life begins at conception. We must refute. We must refute satanically caused confusion about the afterlife. And we must not, with Satan's lie, see forgiveness as being some kind of a dirty word for weaklings. We must refute discounting Christ, even to the point to price him so low that some say he never, ever existed. We must refute all the lies of Satan that say more than one over matters that God has said one. Verse 18. And when they heard these things, they became silent. You know, sometimes the best response to truth is silence. To think about it. Ponder it. And when they heard these things, that namely that believing Gentiles and believing Jews were blessed with the same salvific blessings that God gave to both, and they were to form one forensic church, when they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God, saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. The encouraging thing is, Calvary Bible Church, the encouraging thing is this, that when we as a church, Christ church, display the courage of conviction to side with God in the matters which he says are one way, my way, or the highway, when we side with God in all the ones that he has dictated, then some persons will quiet down and they will glorify God. And they will even say, when they've quieted down enough, and when they're beginning to glorify God enough, 
they even say God is God and he can do whatever he wants. God is God and he can do whatever he wants. One church, one savior, one plan of salvation. One. Pray with me. Lord, you are the God of one and not more than one. And with the psalmist in Psalm 115, verse 3, we say, but our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. Lord, for any aspect of our thinking or our worldview or our philosophies that have drifted into satanic lies about there's more than one, pull us back by your word. Pull us back by your spirit that we would walk in confidence that you have said over these matters, no, it's one. It's not more than one. Send us off into a culture, into city, a city and a country. It seems to be, have a veneer of religion. But where these lies from Satan also are making advancements. Where even nice people we know are buying into Satan's lie that certain things you've said are one God that they say now are more than one. Help us to walk into this week with confidence. Humility, but seriousness of conviction that we are part of the answer and not part of the problem. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake who said, I am the way, one way, the truth, one truth, and the life, one life. No man comes to the Father except through me. We pray in his beautiful name together. Amen.